Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. Well, we did it. Our first full year in New York City. Yes, we did. So, what have you thought so far? Are you kidding? This is like a dream. Lynn really knew what he was talking about when he called it the greatest city in the world. Even I have to admit that it's better than I thought it would be. The energy and the life all around is amazing. I can't get over the fact that every day when I head to a show, I get to look downtown and see the beautiful New York skyline. And you? You get to go to work at one of the most famous theaters, at one of the biggest shows of the season, with two of the biggest stars on Broadway. That's amazing! Okay, that also is a huge plus. We finally made it! Yeah, we did! everyone, and welcome to Stage Whisper. I'm your host, Hope Bird, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Cortez. Today, we are going to be discussing the ponderous play that is Churchill. So, hurry and take your seats. It looks like the show is starting. Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's performance of Stage Whisper. A man who was larger than life was reimagined on the floorboards of the off-Broadway theater. And with it came his wit, his wisdom, and his well-known personality. Of course, we are speaking of the legendary Winston Churchill and the play which is the subject of our show today, Churchill. This semi-autobiographical show played a limited run just off-Broadway, but was around long enough to entice and entertain audiences with the humor and bodiness of the wise old bulldog himself. But before we can get into any more of this tomfoolery, we must first set up the groundwork. The show originated in Chicago at the Greenhouse Theater Center in 2014, where it played to sold-out houses and was extended several times. This eventually warranted an unprecedented move downstairs to the large proscenium theater at the greenhouse, where it continued to play to sold-out houses and multiple extensions. It was at this time the show would make its move to the Big Apple, which also makes this the perfect time to introduce our design team. The playwright was Ronald Keaton, director Kurt Johns, scenic and lighting design Jason Epperson, projections Paul Desiel, Sound design, Eric Backus. The show premiered at New World Stages on February 18, 2015, where it received mostly positive reviews and solid ticket sales, and played until its closing on July 12th of that year. So, let us pour a brandy, light a cigar, and dive into our story. Uh, 
March 1946. During the past year, Winston Churchill has led Britain and the Allies to victory in the European theater of World War II. He has also been shockingly defeated for re-election as Prime Minister, while sitting in forced retirement with his wife Clementine at their Chartwell home. Churchill receives an invitation from President Harry Truman to speak in the States at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, where he would go on to deliver his legendary, emphatic Iron Curtain speech. He arrives in Fulton to an informal and esoteric gathering of friends and supporters, and shares his life in flashback and in storytelling. Experience the man who famously proclaimed, I am ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. In Churchill, the influential Nobel Prize laureate discusses his failures and his successes, his love of art, liquor, and women, and the bravery of Britain's finest hour. The The end. end. Now let's talk about the parts of the show that we liked, that maybe we didn't like, that were the best of times, the worst of times. Oh, wait, wrong author. Um, (laughs) So this was an interesting show. And for me, so I'm a big fan of Winston Churchill. Um, I don't know as much about him. I shouldn't say I'm a big fan. I I like him because if I say I'm a big fan, I would lead people to think I know so much about him. And I don't know as much about him as I'd like to, but I am a fan of his and I'm fascinated by him and his life. Um, You know, the fact that he came to power as the person that he is like today, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. That kind of person would come to power. Like it's not a big deal. Like the way he was, but back then, you know, it's fascinating, but you know, my grandmother is, was, is from, was from England. She, well, my aunt too, And they grew up during um, the war. So they grew up with Churchill and they would tell me stories about how he just inspired the nation and the bulldog mentality and everything, you know, and I was just like, wow, this man sounds amazing. So now getting to see him on stage telling his stories, I was like, okay, I'm game. The one thing that I feel like could have better prepared me, and it's not the show's fault, it's my own fault, is if I had more knowledge about some of the things that that, he, that Keaton, the actor, and the writer, was speaking on. Because I, there was a few moments where I was like, oh, I don't remember this, I don't remember that. But this is, this is the thing. Winston Churchill is an iconic British, like historical British uh, figure in history. We don't learn too much about him because he's British. But I'm sure if we were from the UK... We would have learned a lot about him. Right. Kind of like Alexander Hamilton. We know a lot about him now in now. our in our history classes and about the founding of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Whereas I always wondered, and I'm still curious, how is Hamilton received in London versus here, considering 
we know the American Revolution and everything that followed kind of by heart growing up in America because it's just so ingrained in us. But how do British audiences receive it? Because I'm sure they don't dwell on the American Revolution in, in schools. Right. Well, because they have a much longer, lengthier history right. to go over as and well. Sure, and that's probably like a cliff note of like, oh, yeah, this happened. And then, you know what I mean? So I wish I had known more about him going into it. But with that being said, I found there, his ability to communicate these different moments in his life and his storytelling really, really good. Right. Well, and the one thing that stands out to me um, from this particular work is it was a softer side of Churchill, which don't get me wrong, like Churchill was in no means er, any way soft, but this was no. the softest side of Churchill I had ever seen, yes. which was a lot more humanizing it, of him. In the simplicity of this show, I found that it felt more like a casual conversation about important, uh, insightful issues and complicated issues rather than like a lecture. Right. Well, and especially because Churchill definitely had to be very brash and direct. Well, I don't and, know if he had to be brash. That was his style. Okay. Well, that was his style. So I, I, one could argue that he felt he had to be that because it right. was his chosen style. But it was nice in this the way that this play was done to see kind of those those political public figure um, like walls come down just a little bit to be able to humanize him enough to remind us that he's a human with complex emotions. He wasn't trying to win anything over. He literally was just like, let me tell you a story about what happened. Let it, me tell you what really happened and exactly. I'm going to just tell you rather than having to convince everyone to win everyone over to get something he wanted. He already had everything he wanted, which is what I love. I mean, it's really the difference of Ronald Keaton here like you send that softer side talking to us in Church of the Play and then Gary Oldman in the Darkest Hour movie. Like they are two different versions of Winston Churchill because they're two different mindsets of him. Right. Well, and I think it just is a good reminder that, you know, humans are complex, even politicians. Absolutely. Well, and that we could go on a whole episode about Winston Churchill, but to me, I think Winston Churchill, and again, I'm just speaking on the little knowledge I have, but I don't know that Winston Churchill was ever meant to be a real politician. Like, he's a leader, but I don't think he ever wanted to play the game of politics of, like, I'm going to say what the people want to hear kind of thing. I'm going to say what the people need to hear. I'm going to do what the people need, which is a good leader, uh, which is why I think it was shocking that he didn't win re-election because he was doing exactly what Britain needed. And then they were like, yeah, but we don't want you because we need love and comfort. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, but we actually need other things. You know, that's how he got the prime ministership in the first place, because the guy before him, uh, I think it was Chamberlain, was not doing anything regarding Hitler and the Nazis. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, I'm sure we can negotiate something with with dialogue and diplomacy. And Churchill's like, are you kidding? Look what he's doing. There is no negotiating with this guy. Right. Well, you know, anyway, that, like let's, I said, we can yeah, go, go, go on with Churchill. Let's go ahead and, you know, start breaking down this show in our little boxes, in our aspects. So this, uh, yeah, so this was an off-Broadway show, 
at uh, New World Stages, as you mentioned. And it was on one of their smaller stages. Right. We have never been to this stage, stage five. So starting with the set, it was a very, very simple set. Um, I loved... So this is one thing that I loved. And I had to go back and look at pictures because I... First, I remembered it differently, and then I saw the picture, and I went, oh, yeah, that's right. So I love that at the center there was a table with the two chairs. And why I love that is it allowed us to imagine much easier the other characters that he was speaking about or two. There were moments like he would be speaking to President Truman or to FDR at moments, you know, or to his cabinet or what have you. And he could speak across the table, and you could see that he was having an active dialogue. And we could have those memories take place again on stage without having another person. Yeah. And I thought that was really smart to incorporate two chairs versus what I had originally remembered, which was like the one chair. And it was like an oak paneled room. And I was like, oh, no, just kidding. It wasn't that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that also does tell you something about the storytelling, how it can trans, like having a simple set can transport you into these different places with Mm -hmm. just your imagination. Yes. Because I remember hearing the stories and kind of going to each of the different places that he was talking about, like, you know, when he was at his home, when he was a child, um, versus being in the war room. And the set never changed. Right. The, the, what really changed, honestly, was the projections behind, Mm -hmm. which helped us visualize, um, the images regarding what he was talking about, whether it was like a giant map when he was talking about uh, Dunkirk or uh, D-Day or what have you, or they just doubled as like the windows to the room, which was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last thing I do want to mention is I loved the leather chairs. They just, I mean, look, with a dining room table, they could have gone for these like beautiful ornate wood chairs, but they went with these leather chairs like almost like these captains not captains like in sitting chair but you know the way it was upholstered kind of thing mm-hmm. and it it spoke of like gravitas mm-hmm. and it helped elevate it just helped really physicalize that elevated status that churchill had you know mm-hmm. of course he's got that leather chair like that for at his dinner table or something. you know what i mean like of course he's got that he's not gonna go for some simple wooden chair he's churchill he's gonna sit there for a while smoke a cigar drink his brandy you know mm-hmm. well and i think that leads us into the costumes because the costumes were also simple but iconic they gave us the exact imagery of what you think of with Winston Churchill. Right. You know, because, I mean, the actor looked, I mean, had traits that were, uh, you know, reminiscent of Churchill. With but the he, round face and kind of pudgy and that. Yeah, but otherwise that, he didn't exactly look like Winston Churchill. So the way that he was able to, you know, really commit to the character was in the costume and the way that he held himself in the costume. Right. We had those round glasses, the pinstripe suit, the bow tie. I'm not... So it's that double chain look. It's a pocket watch, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's got the two sagging parts of the chain because it goes through, I think, the vest. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just iconic. And you just have... If it, all we needed was him to open his jacket, put his hands on his hip, and there's Churchill. Mm-hmm. And round his shoulders in a little bit. Exactly. And- have the cigar in his lip and that British bulldog look, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's Churchill. And so they did a really good job of essentially recreating 
a look of Churchill, a real look of Churchill's with the, the brown suit, with the stripes, like I said. Um, and But they kept it simple. They weren't trying to elevate it. They weren't trying to go too big. They were like, we need it to resemble him, but not verbatim. Yeah, we didn't have to go through and find a picture of him and recreate, you know, a suit that he had. No, it was just... It was indicative of Churchill. Exactly. Um, and that leads us to our next one, which is the lights. Um, these were also very simple. Because, again, this was a conversational memory uh, one-person show. So there wasn't a lot of, like, we need tons of light. But these the lighting really helped to create that quiet and comfy conversational feeling because it was that soft, off-white. It just really gave you that... You know, we're in the library, we're in a den, this is we're in a dining in, room. <laughs> this is this is uh, intimate. Yeah. You know. But, and, and with that off-white lighting, it gave us that feeling or that, that knowledge of we are not in a government building or in an office. We are in someone's home. And the best use of the lighting for me was to help provide the breaks between scenes or thoughts. Mm-hmm. So there were moments when there would be a blackout and we'd have something on the projection or there'd be a dimming with a little bit of a music just to give us a little bit of a breath. And using that rather than just music cue and he does a little bit of business and then we come back, that let us know that this is where the period is. Mm-hmm. Take but it a breath also took and us, a new thought. It also took us on a journey mm-hmm. to get there. It wasn't like it was, you know, that light helped us ease into the transitions rather than take them abruptly. Right. We were stimulating all of our senses, sound, sight. Well, I shouldn't say all of our senses, sound and sight. I guess I didn't taste anything or smell anything. And I certainly didn't feel, I didn't reach out in front of the person in front of me and be like, oh my gosh, it's a transition. But, you know, it just, it really helped, like I said, solidify, give us the moments to breathe. And speaking of breathing, shall we go on to direction? Of course. I appreciated the direction of this. And the reason why is because I almost felt like the director just came in to smooth out the edges and Mm -hmm. make sure that pacing and transitions really were there where they needed to be. Because Ronald Keaton, who wrote the show and he played Churchill, you really had a firm grasp on the story and the character, and he breathed life into it. So it was Kurt's job, the director, to really just make sure that he was Playing in bounds mm-hmm. and staying true to the part and making sure that that the, the show, I keep saying it, but the show just had breath. Mm-hmm. That, okay, we finished this thought and had pause Well, and, and then start the next thought, you know? I feel like the point of a director in a show like this is to provide um, someone to hold the actor accountable and keep them honest yes. to, to the work they've already created. And they're the eyes outside. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, just a side note to any of our young budding actors, the uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard and that I could pass on is never argue with a director who is giving you feedback. Because though you were doing something, it didn't come across that way. If someone, you know, if you were like, well, I was trying to tell this person I was hurt and the director's like, yeah, it didn't come off that way. Don't try to argue that because clearly the director's like, yeah, it's not reading that way. We got to try something different. And that's why I have respect for this director because 
they basically came in and they're like, you already know this character. You know the script. I need to make sure that what you, you're trying to communicate is coming through. And they basically sprinkled everything on top and made sure that their idea for making the show a success and the playwrights and star came through. And it did. It worked so well. It was so cohesive. Everything worked in tandem. It was brilliant. Um, and again, the simplicity of the show, it, it's the winner. It was not trying to be more than it was. They were not trying to win us with flashbangs, booms, or anything. It was like, we're just going to sit down for an hour and 50 minutes with Winston Churchill. You knew what you were getting into, so if you don't like just sitting down with someone for 110 minutes, this is not the show for you, mm-hmm. you know? The show has starred acclaimed performer Ronald Keaton. So let's now talk about the impact the show has had on the theater and its history. As for theatrical impact, this show brought to the stage um, a moment and a part of the life of Winston Churchill, as well as the towering icon and powerful figure that is Churchill. You know, he's a towering and powerful figure in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not know of um, another play about Churchill. I would be interested to know if there is one. Um, But, you know, here we go. This is a a great theater show that lets us into the world of him. That's kind of all I can think of in regards to theatrical impact. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to societal impact. Um, So this is 2015. And, you know, hindsight is 2020. That's the benefit we have. Mm Mm-hmm. And something I think that we didn't realize at the time, but again, hindsight is twenty twenty. It reminded a younger audience that attended the show of the greatness of a leader and of the greatness of right and might, but also the danger of evil and fanaticism and of sitting idle and doing nothing while evil festers and grows. And I think there was a lot of divisiveness and intolerance brewing that we would start to see starting in 2016. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go down the political rabbit hole here, but, you know, I think everyone can agree that there were terrible things that happened since. And in the show, it kind of pointed to when you see, I mean, Churchill was the guy that for the longest time was saying, Hitler is a bad dude. From the word go, he was like, Hitler's a bad guy. Don't try to reason with him. Don't try to make treaties. He won't keep them. This is a bad guy. And he was trying to form the Ally Alliance before anybody else was. You know what I mean? He was working with the French. He was trying to get the Americans on board. Um... A lot of people credit the Allied forces to, you know, the U.S. And it's like, dude, Churchill was forming the Allied force before. They just didn't have the means. But 
essentially Churchill's like when you see evil, the worst thing you can do is ignore it. Mm-hmm. You the first the first and most powerful thing you can do is call it out, draw attention to it by calling it out and saying that's wrong, that's evil. And I think we don't have a lot of people in this world that remind us that. Like you don't necessarily have to go and exterminate the evil or something, you know what I mean? But you can do a lot of good simply by just saying that's wrong. And this show for the younger audiences that went to it, in my opinion, for societal impact, told them like, hey, the worst thing you can do is see something evil, horrible, and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then that leads us to... Is this show still relevant? This show is special because it is built around a, a single character. And for that matter, a single performer who must be able to play Churchill perfectly. So with that, I think if you have the right performer, regional or community theater is a perfect place for it. As for Broadway, this is a hard pass for me. Um, Though I think the story of Winston Churchill is one I'd like to see on stage, I don't think now is the time for it. Um, I'd even say no right now to off-Broadway. Especially um, because there are other stories that need to be told right now. Yeah, I mean, this particular show is what I'm getting at. I just think maybe another part of Churchill's life or another vessel of Churchill and, and adversity and whatnot could be told. But right now, I think there are more important stories. But I'm not going to tell people what to do. This is just my opinion. I don't have all the money in the world to produce theater, so what do I know, right? Finally, as promised, we wanted to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing the show. So we had the good fortune to see the show in 2015. This was our first Thursday matinee. That is one of the things that sticks out in my brain really well from this show. I remember it was a Thursday matinee. I know. I. This is when we would book, um, I mean, we were doing 10 show weeks. We would, we would, anytime there was a show, we would squeeze it in and this just happened to have a Thursday matinee and I was like, absolutely, one extra show, let's do it. And I enjoyed the show. I really did enjoy the show. What's funny is unintentionally, or maybe intentionally, I don't know what my mindset was, this became like the day of British theater. And, um, you know, we saw Churchill that Thursday afternoon and then another very huge piece of British, I guess, historical theater. It's not really a historical play, but you know what I mean. Uh, And stay tuned for that on the next episode. Um, There's a great article in Playbill about Winston Churchill, you know, right kind of next to each other. There's two Winstons uh, because there was a Winston on Broadway and a Winston off Broadway. But it, it was just a double dose of British history and I loved it, you know. Um... So it was it was fascinating. And I remember also, okay, so for those of you who don't know, um, part of my family lineage is British. My nan, rest in peace, miss you so much. My nan is from England. 
Um, and as I mentioned, grew up in the war. And then I, she also had a sister, my great aunt. And, and I have family still in England. So we have a lot of English heritage and whatnot. And with that, a lot of English background and, and knowledge. My dad grew up in England originally. He's an Air Force brat. Um, hey, dad, also rest in peace. Um, but he and my nan passed down a lot of the history of that to me. So I love that we got out of Churchill we went to dinner before our next show and you started asking questions because, of course, you don't have the same background that I have. And you're like, what about this? What about that? And I was able to help, you know, explain that and discuss that. And it was it was really awesome to just engage in those kind of discussions afterwards. And that's what I love that theater can do where it's like, well, I didn't get this. And what about that? Because I was like, yes, let me share this with you. And then let's talk about that. And then getting your insights as well, because... I've just had the one side from my family, but hearing someone else get that and then add their insight, it's like, oh, okay. okay. That's the kind of stuff I love. And I hope more people do after a show where they just go and they talk about it. And not just like, what did you like, what you didn't like, but especially with um, real life pieces, not just fictional pieces, non-fictional shows. Right, like it taught... It helped me understand a period of history from a perspective I didn't know much about. Yeah. Oh, the stories I, I have from my nan and my aunt. It's, they were cool ladies. They are cool ladies. My aunt's still around. Shout out to my Aunt Wendy. She's a boss. You'll be able to catch Churchill at a theater near you, hopefully sometime soon. We also want to remind you that you can now become a producer and a patron of the show by getting your backstage pass or by leaving a monthly tip in our tip jar. Information about our backstage pass can be found at patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Holford. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One thing the praises of If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Fox by Music for Wildlife. Other music on this episode provided by Harry Talley and Billy Murray. <laughs> <laughs>